Good afternoon and welcome to today's edition of Muddy River News This Week. Bob Goff is on assignment and I'm David Adam. I'll be hosting uh, this afternoon's show and today we're going to talk about Quincy University. Uh, good news coming out of Quincy University this week and who better to tell us about the good news at Quincy University than Dr. Brian McGee. Welcome to our humble studios. It's great to be here, David. Big news last week on the enrollment front. Uh, typically, I believe it's usually after the 10th day of classes mm -hmm. when you have to turn that information in. But enrollment at Quincy University up 8% this year. Up 8% overall. The, real, the major driver of that is our freshman class, which is over 300. It's the largest freshman class we've had in 30 years at QU. Uh, and with a healthy number of transfer students and grad, new graduate students, over 450 new students at Quincy University this year in total. Can you, without giving away the secret sauce, what's the key to bringing in a record number of freshman students to your school this year? Well, I, I don't think the, the sauce is particularly secret, David. It's, te it's telling a clear story about what your university does very well. For us, that's success by design. Our individual approach to, um, to going to each student, meeting him or her where she is, creating an individualized student success plan for each student, updated yearly or as often as needed throughout the academic career, mm -hmm. getting students graduated in four years and on to lives of purpose and accomplishment. We, of course, do that in a faith-based Catholic and Christian environment as a great Franciscan university. And we do that in a wonderful city that's highly livable, where there are internships and career opportunities present right there off campus. Um, Quincy is important to our secret sauce, as is this region, uh, but so is telling that clear story yeah. and telling it to a, very, a much larger number of students. We had a record number of applications at QU, along, and that led ultimately to our record class. Talk, talk a little bit about success by design. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I know not everybody at home gets the press releases from the university like I do, but yes, every do. one of them at the bottom mm -hmm. has a little paragraph and it ends with success by design. Mm -hmm. But for someone who's never heard of that before or a, a freshman who is, is evaluating where they would like to go, tell, tell me how you and, and the university individualize my experience with your success by design program. I think many of us have heard the stories of a college student who went off to college, felt lonely, felt isolated, was in big impersonal classes, didn't receive individual attention, and that student fell through the cracks. Our job at Quincy University is to make sure that no student ever has a chance to fall through the cracks, that each student is attended to as an individual, uh, is helped as an individual, and as engaged as an individual, and whenever there's a problem, we leap to assist to that student. Ultimately, students are responsible for their own success or failure, mm -hmm. but success should never be by luck or accident. It should always be a product of intention. Success has to be by design at a great university. And we have redesigned every element of Quincy University over the last several years, some of it before I got to QU, mm -hmm. to make sure that that was the experience students had. And so that begins with the individualized plan. It, it, it continues with a full-time success coach in addition to the academic advisor, that faculty member who supports you, and all the individuals who are looking out for signs of problems, but also helping you accomplish your goals as you set them. And, and just and that, basically making sure you're staying in touch. Staying in touch, staying on top of things, uh, getting the work done. And that means we have some folks who are very intently focused on the individual student's success, mm -hmm. not just as a small portion of some other work that they do. And that, I think, makes QU distinct from a very large number of other universities in the United States. And that's a message that our parents and students really appreciate. So you're talking now uh, um, about enrollment growing. 
The fact is, there was this little thing called the pandemic right. that caused a lot of problems for a lot of schools. Mm -hmm. Some who uh, uh, have were forced to close. That's true. Um, how much did the pandemic affect enrollment at Quincy University from what uh, the, the middle of March of 2020 and for the last essentially the last two and a, two and a half years? Well, I'd say along with many other universities that uh, you know some universities lost students. Uh, students decided to stay home, sit out college. Mm -hmm. um, I think for us it more slowed down our growth because we were in a growth model at that point. We were reaching more students. But the time to make big gains in enrollment was not during the pandemic. Right. So we focused on serving the students we had, serving the students in our region who, who were going to go to school. We did have growth anyway. It was slower than we would have otherwise had. And certainly we had individual families that were badly affected financially by the pandemic. So yeah. the pandemic did real harm in America to students going off to get college degrees and college educations. It's going to affect us in the United States for a long time. And universities like Quincy University have to do their part to help more students get those skills and go on to that lifetime of work, of family building, and of success that we want for each one of them. How many of your students are studying from home? That was the one thing that uh, colleges certainly did learn is you don't have to shut down in a situation like that. We can reach you online, we can reach you through Zoom. Uh, it's not necessarily the most ideal way no, to do things, not. but for some people, that's their now preferred way of studying. Yeah. So what percentage of your 1,250 students are not stepping foot on your campus? The answer is the great majority of our students today, as was always true during the pandemic, mm -hmm. are studying on campus right. face to face. Mm -hmm. Now let's go back to 2019 before the pandemic, and I'll tell you, even at QU, about 5% of our undergraduate students were taking at least one class online. Mm -hmm. And some of our graduate programs, especially the MBA, are primarily online, right. because that's what those graduate students want. And we've always seen students who said, I want to take at least one class online, it's, it's convenient for me, helps me manage my schedule better. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, QU, like other great local institutions, decided that our students needed to be face-to-face -to, -face to succeed, at least in part. And so we brought students back even during the heart of the pandemic. And I'm proud of the measures we took to keep our community safe. And I'm proud of the fact that we didn't, you know, we didn't leave students behind who would not have succeeded unless they were in a classroom, right. even, if they were, even if they were six feet away from everybody else and wearing a mask. <laughs> Today, after the pandemic, we are seeing great enrollment growth and people recognizing the value of our model, and we're finding that we're offering a few more online courses than we did sure. before. So if in the past about 5% of our courses were online, in the future it looks like 10 to 15% will be. Most of our students learn best and value the face-to-face -face engagement with a faculty member in a small classroom setting. But for a minority who want the online experience, or in some cases where, where that's the best way to deliver the content, we're proud to do it that way, and I think we do it very well. You're also making some other changes on campus. One of the things that um, I know that uh, was informed of the public uh, right at the beginning of the school year is there's a row of houses right along mm -hmm. 18th Street that the university has decided we're going to make some investments there. Right. We're going to freshen them up mm -hmm. and make them a little more... I'm not sure what the word is, but basically make it a little more, a, a better living situation right. basically for those students. Explain what those houses are and what you're doing there. Well, 
QU is a wonderful residential community. We have hundreds of students living on campus. The majority of them are living in these great residence halls that right. were built in the middle of the 20th century and are really, from my perspective, the very best model for campus living. Uh, the traditional residence hall leads to students having better grades, better academic success, and being more likely to engage other students and graduate on time. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have wonderful old halls like Padua Hall and Garner Hall, I'd have to build ones just like them right. because they are fantastic. For a minority of our students, especially sophomores, juniors, and seniors, uh, we do have some houses, some of them over a century old, that have been part of the QU community for a very long time. And there are alums who are listening to this right now, David, uh, at, or as they stream it, thinking, yeah, I lived in the houses, and that was a great experience at QU right. or at QC, mm -hmm. depending on their age. I'm a QC. Okay. And so those houses are still very much there. Um, but we are committed to those houses being um, safe and clean and in good repair. And they're old enough that a lot of them need a lot of repair in the last few years. So you're referring to 4 and 18th Street that, are, that we've designated our Greek row. You know, Greek life is, is 75, 80% of some small liberal arts colleges. That's not true at QU. Right. We've always had a small Greek presence. Um, at, at, in recent memory at QU, and we, I don't know that it will ever be as big as some universities, but it's an option we want students to have. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to do it, let's create a great environment for it. So we consolidated Greek life on 18th Street. Right. We freshened those houses so that everyone would have a similar experience. And of course, that's part of our larger commitment to making QU a, a better and nicer place to live, work, learn, and grow every year. And you're adding things to the, I, I, I think I remember reading uh, painting and remodeling kitchens, mm -hmm. you know, just anything that you, a fixer-upper right. would be, the, I believe, the use of, of the word for, for those types of buildings. But you're also doing some things in the backyards as well, I think. Uh, help explain what you're doing back there. Well, I mean, the short version is uh, we're like any good homeowner. We, you have to invest in your home to, to keep it in good, in good condition and working order. And if you're a QU alum from 20 or 40 or 60 years ago, you love your campus and you expect us to be good stewards of it and to maintain its beauty and condition and that great QU tradition. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with, um, with new amenities and backyards and front yards. Right. Anybody who's in Quincy has passed on Chestnut Street, the big new QU in front of Heline Hall. That's become a great center for sort of student camaraderie and fun photos, mm -hmm. even for prospective students and families, as well as for our current students. The Conover clock in front that's now uh, in front of Francis Hall. That's that street clock that mm -hmm. reminds everyone to get to work on time. Oh, get, get to, to class, class on, on time. time. Getting to class on time is important. <laughs> David. I was uh -huh. never officially late. Mm -hmm. When I would, they'd call my name at the beginning of class, I might not have been there, but by the time they got to the Z's, mm -hmm. I was always there. All I'm going to tell you, David, is as a faculty member, my watch is the official time. I don't care what your clock says. Well, but um, yeah, I, so, so I, I, it was a, uh, uh, oh gosh, he taught, uh, it was one of the Franciscan priests. I wish I could remember his name uh, off the top of my head, and I know I'm going to. Well, if probably, you've been I'm a student, gonna, David, you'd still remember. I, I know, and, it was, and it's somebody, somebody sitting there going, it was Father. Father Philibert, that's all right. Well, Father Philibert, okay. My, for Maybe my, you yes. were an A student after all. Well, I just remember that I was always there by the time he got through to the Z's, and so he said, "Would you like to put me at the? How about if I put you instead of at the beginning of row, put you at the end of oh, row?" Oh my goodness! What a wonderful man well, he well, was. Well, and a great stories of the faculty <laughs> of, of the university. And you know, we've been talking for a few minutes about all we do to keep the grounds beautiful and right. to maintain the the wonderful campus community I have, where we have the largest collection of mid-century modern buildings in Quincy. 
Quincy mm -hmm. and this great architectural treasure. But the most important thing about Quincy University isn't its facilities or its grounds, it's the people. Right. And those are the stories in the end that matter most to our students and to our alumni. And it's what keeps people coming back for great homecoming after homecoming. It's why in a few weeks we'll have an amazing homecoming mm -hmm. with alums like you telling stories, the kind of stories our current students will be telling in 20 that, or 30 right. or 40 years. Uh, financially, mm -hmm. I know uh, the pandemic affected schools mm -hmm. financially as well. So not only are you trying to get students in there, but you got to make sure you're still paying mm -hmm. people and everything. Um, Open-ended question. I mean, financially, how's the school doing? The university is doing well. We've made great progress. Uh, you've seen that we had a rec not just a record freshman class this year, but last year we had our all-time record fundraising year. So um, we've had a lot of good news at QU financially to go along with uh, our core educational mission. And that's great for the university because it preserves it for generations right. to come. I couldn't be prouder of that progress. And it's one of the many reasons I think QU's very best days are ahead, which is a lot to say about a 160-year-old institution. That's for sure. Uh, uh, and the one thing about your school, um, with so many athletic uh, opportunities for students, mm -hmm. what is the percentage of, of athletes that are, mm -hmm. that, that are participating, whether they're a walk-on or a scholarship athlete, or what is that number at for you? Well, for us, over half of our students are student athletes in some fashion. Right. Some, of them, uh, some of them in sort of our older traditional sports, some in, in newer sports. Mm -hmm. Most colleges and universities in the United States now have more sports than they did a generation or two right. ago. And that's just because Americans play different sports mm -hmm. than they used to. But I think that's worked well for us. Uh, we know that a high school athlete was by and large organized and prepared and hardworking. Mm -hmm. And on many campuses, uh, student athletes um, outperform non-athletes academically. Uh, I'm proud of the fact that our non-athletes non and our athletes, I was a non-athlete. Um, but you were running now, I mean, you know, so you're an I'm, athlete now. Well, you know, I try. But um, uh, I was very much going to college on a debate scholarship, a different kind of activity. Uh, but I would say uh, the thing I love about QU is our students who, whether they're athletes or they're musicians or they're scientists in waiting, whether they are full-time or part-time, they're just a tremendous group of young men and women. Uh, they do me proud and they, and they do Quincy University and our great tradition proud. And I know if, if, if Josh Raby were here, I would mm -hmm. ask him this question, but one of the new offerings at the school is something that no school around here has ever offered in the history of athletics, and you've got something new called sprint football. Right. Here's your opportunity to explain sprint football sure. to those who don't follow it. Well, we're always offering new academic and athletic programs at QU. We have uh, some wonderful new majors in, in subjects like um, you know, business analytics and cybersecurity and arts management. And, and don't you, you have to change it. You have Absolutely. to you have to adapt to mm -hmm. your classes. We do. So we have different academic programs. We also have new athletic programs. One of those is sprint football. This is uh, a kind of football that has been played on the East Coast for 90 years. For some reason, it never caught on in the Midwest or elsewhere in the country until now. Right. And QU is one of six schools that founded the Midwest Sprint Football League, which is a league for players who play the same rules identically that, that NCAA football does, except the players can't exceed 178 pounds. The average high school kid, average high school, usually young man who graduates, um, is not going to weigh 325 pounds like my star offensive tackle on our NCAA football That's program. That's right. Uh, they're going to be a lot closer to that 178. I graduated from high school, I weighed 135 pounds, and I was the same height. <laughs> but you could have played on this team. I could have played on this team. Uh, and 
I think that's indicative of the reality that especially in our rural high schools in Illinois and Missouri right. and all over the country, there are kids who are all conference in, in football or, you know, or regional honorable mention or whatever their structure was, and no one would give them a second look at collegiate football because they were a little too short and they were, they were a little too small. Right. Uh, and, and yet, football is a game that prizes a whole lot of other things besides sheer height and bulk. Mm -hmm. And so sprint football gives that kid an opportunity. And we've got some really talented athletes on, the sprint, on this new sprint football team. And they'll get to play the first, first game in program history this Saturday, just as some of our athletes in other new sports like wrestling and um, wrestling and swimming are gonna get their first meets in, in the coming weeks. And so, very excited for those students, just like we are for our students in some of our, in our established programs, soccer, football, basketball, what have you, who get to have another great right. season without everyone wearing masks. Isn't that nice? It is amazing. New students, new majors, fixing up some old houses, new sports, <laughs> there's a lot of things happening. At, out there at 18th and, and college, aren't well, there? Well, this has been a terrific start to our academic year at QU, the best in a long time by objective measures. And again, our best years are still to come. As we grow enrollment, as we engage more students, as we graduate more people, send them on to lives of meaning and purpose. And we're going to do that in a region that needs every skilled young person it can get uh, or, or retrained person who came back for a graduate degree mm -hmm. or a college degree. Uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a town where our economic development opportunities are very good, but we're like a lot of other places in the country, we're looking for more workforce, and QU yeah. is an important uh, solution to that workforce need. Brian McGee, thank you for your time. It's oh. always a pleasure to get to visit with you. Well, David, it's always a pleasure to be a hawk. It's always great to talk to alumnus, and my thanks for your good work here at Muddy River News. Thank you for your, for your time, and Absolutely. thank you for your time. Uh, it's a great day to be a hawk. And it's a great day to follow Muddy River News. See you next time.